Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. If a deal's not right, walk away from it. Don't force it. That little God-given internal stomach mind is like, you know, something's not right here. Something doesn't add up. Best ever listeners, before we get into today's episode, I'm pleased and honored to be introducing you to Trevor McGregor. You recognize his name. He's been on the show multiple times. Just search Trevor McGregor, Joe Fairless, and you'll hear his interviews that I did with him, and he has a lot of value during those interviews. Well, he's had a lot of value in my life. For the last five years, I have hired him to be a consultant to help me with my real estate business and just personal stuff too as a life slash business coach. And he's taken my game to a different level. Before I hired him, I had four single family homes. And oh, by the way, I was also single. Fast forward to today, my company controls over $300 million worth of real estate. And I am happily, happily married. Clearly, results are going to vary, but he has helped me in five years do things that I didn't even have on my radar. So I suggest that you speak to Trevor McGregor if you're looking to take your real estate investing business to the next level. If you've had success and are looking to build on that success, then he's your guy. Go to trevormcgregor.com or coachwithtrevor.com and you'll be able to apply for a conversation with him coachwithtrevor.com. We used to do a free consultation. We got too many free consultations and he actually is pretty full with his consulting program and he's very conscientious about the value that he adds. He wants to add tremendous value. So he's being very selective with the people who he does work with. So go to coachwithtrevor.com and apply to have a conversation with him and then you two can decide if it makes sense to work together or not and hire him as a consultant. It has impacted my life in a tremendously positive way. Him and his wife have gone to my wedding. Trevor's been to my conference a couple years, and I know him well, and I suggest that you get to know him as well. CoachWithTrevor.com. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today. Nathan Tabor. How you doing, Nathan? Good, Joe. Doing well. Well, nice to have you on the show and glad to hear you're doing well. A little bit about Nathan. He has purchased, renovated, and sold over $52 million worth of real estate he has founded and operated more than two dozen businesses since 1999, grossing over $150 million in sales. It's a whole lot of money. 
and he is based in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. So with that being said, Nathan, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Yeah, sure, Joe, and I appreciate you having me on your podcast. I enjoy the information that you give to people and all the stuff that you've got going on. So I'm involved now. I still do real estate investing. I do real estate kind of coaching a little bit, helping folks who are getting started. I do a lot of work-life balance seminars. My main focus at 44 years old, kind of got it upside down in life. If you become too focused on money and that is all you're focused on, you'll wake up and you might have a lot of money, but no one wants to be around you, right? Uh Uh-huh. I really like to go in and talk to investors about, especially if they're getting started out or in the middle or at the top, what's your niche? What are you going after? What type of real estate investor are you? Mm -hmm. What's a good answer to that question? Well, the good answer is to find, do you want to do raw land? Do you want to be a futures buyer? Do you want to flip $50,000 houses or $500,000 houses, or do you want to flip duplexes or apartments? Because as you know, you've raised a ton of money. How much have you raised at this point? A lot, probably a hundred million or or something like that. I haven't counted. When you go to your investors, you don't go and say, I need to raise a million dollars for a real estate deal because they would be like, well, so you, they might be like, yes, but <laughs> under the normal circumstances, under the normal person, they'd be like, well, where is it? What kind of deal is it? And they would ask 50 questions. Yep. So define your niche. Hey, I want to go on the south side of town. I found this property over there. Here's the address. It's going to need, you know, 100000 to purchase it, 50000 to renovate it, and we can flip it and make 50000 Go with the plan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not just, oh, I need money. And most people get told no once and they quit and say, oh, well, that didn't work out. Well, it didn't work out because you didn't plan well. You didn't know your niche. You didn't have your business plan put together. It's amazing. When I go out and talk with various folks just in any business, how many people don't have a business plan? Mm -hmm. They got it in their mind, but they don't know where they're going. And then they're confused and upset why they don't get to where they want to go, but they don't have it mapped out. So a niche that would be specific would be, I want to buy $50,000 homes in the south side of my town, fix them and flip them, and then continue to do that. Is that specific enough? Yeah, split the profit with the investor 50-50. Or for me, my niche is I only flip multifamily apartment complexes in the Piedmont Triad, which is Winston-Salem, Greensboro, High Point, North Carolina. They range in size from 20 units to 120 units. They're all class C. They all have high deferred maintenance, high occupancy issues. So lots of renovations, lots of management things to be done. I'm looking for a lot of meat on the bone. 0% occupancy or 20%, basically the worse the better. Mm -hmm. That is my niche. So I don't look for other real estate, really. I don't do other deals. I don't spend my time trying to do other deals or learn other systems. I've been doing this for 11 years now. That's what I focus on. I consult on other people and help them find their niche or any questions on that. But that's what I do. And a lot of times, if you don't ever find that niche, you can't ever get off the ground. I know a ton of people who've been trying to be, quote unquote, a real estate investor for two, three, four, five years, and they've never done one deal. But they work hard all the time trying to do it. They just don't ever get off the ground. 
The other is someone's at that level where they've done twenty hundred thousand dollar deals. Now they want to get into the next level. Well, to get into that next level, you've got to plan for the next level. So at any point, whether somebody's getting started or they're wanting to double what they're flipping or buying and holding, or they want to go from $2 million deals to $5 million deals on paper, that's not a lot, but you got to plan a lot out for your banker, for your investors, how you're going to manage that. There's a lot of things that need to be filled in, one, so you can succeed if you can do it, but two, to find the people that can help you do that. Makes sense. With your niche, the flipping apartment complexes within the Piedmont Triad, 20 to 120 units, the lower occupancy, the better, the worse occupancy, the better. How did you plan to get into that business? Because it's different and it's really interesting. I'd love to talk about that. Ten years ago, I had never, outside of two homes, I bought one, sold one, bought the one I currently live in. A gentleman walked into a buy here, pay here car lot that I owned at the time and said, if I don't sell this 18 unit complex in 30 days, the bank's going to take it. My dad grew up, he was a painter and a contractor, so I knew a little bit about doing things, but not flipping anything. I went to five different bankers. The first five said, no, we're not giving you a loan for that. I found the sixth banker who I went in and they gave me 100% financing and 100% renovation loan, which doesn't happen these days. And Joe, I bought that 18 unit. 30 days later, I bought the 12 unit that was beside it. And in eight and a half months, I had renovated it, leased it up and sold it on LoopNet and made $252,000. And I didn't know what a cap rate was. (laughs) (laughs) A friend of mine, they've developed 54 grocery store facilities over the last about 20 years. And she asked me, she said, you know what a cap rate is? And I'm thinking in my mind, the cap rate, that's got to be on top of the roof. It's like that little, <laughs> it's that little vent area up there, right? <laughs> and she looked at me and she said, please tell me you didn't just go do a $500,000 loan and not know what a cap rate is. And I was like, unfortunately, I did. <laughs> the second unit I bought was a 12 unit. And I thought, you know, here I am now. My head's big and my britches are big and I just know all what I'm doing. Yep. And my second deal I bought, I didn't check the zoning. Well, an attorney checked the zoning, a surveyor checked the zoning and told me it was grandfathered in, but I didn't call the zoning department. A five-minute phone call. We'll come to find out the property had been split a number of years earlier and the setback had not been discovered because the property had not been sold. So when the property sold on my second deal, I was faced with tearing down half of the complex or buying a tenth of an acre that had a building on it that had asbestos in it. Why was that your other option? Well, I had to cure the setback. So when the buildings were built, the setback was 25 feet. The current code since the line was split was 40 feet. And the only way to cure the setback and then the apartment spaces. So since I wasn't grandfathered in, I didn't have enough parking spaces. Uh-huh. It cost me $150,000 in 18 months. And every day, week, month, I didn't know if I was ever going to get through it because I didn't know where the end of it was. Just to be clear, you bought it, it had a setback that was discovered, but you thought you'd be grandfathered in, but you didn't call. And then there was a building there, so it had to be removed. So is that the correct? I went to pull my building permits the day after I closed, and they said, oh, we can't give you your building permits because this building is too close to your other building. It's a fire hazard. 
you either have to get that building removed or you have to tear down enough of your units to be set back from that. Oh, okay. And then really the option of tearing down part of the building didn't work because I still didn't have enough parking spaces. So to get enough parking spaces, I'd had to tear down half the building. So I paid a local church, actually $75,000 for a tenth of an acre. I'd only paid 200000 for the entire complex, and they were supposed to tear their building down, and they didn't. So one mistake, one issue led to another because I didn't know what I was doing. You paid $75,000 for a tenth of an acre from a church, and then what happened? And then they took the money and didn't tear the building down. Because if they had torn that building down, then what? Well, so if they'd torn it down, I'd have been out of my issue. How would that remedy the problem because you have two buildings that are close to each other? So when I paid them $75,000, part of it was for them to demo their building. So they owned the building next to mine. Oh, okay. So you couldn't have demoed it anyway because it was their building. It was their – see, I only bought one building. There was a building that was on their land, not on mine, but it was setting too close to my building in the current setback laws. Okay. I'm with you. So my next thing I'm really passionate about these days is helping people understand due diligence. <laughs> yeah. Because a bet. lot of people are like, oh, you know, just check the rent rolls, check this. Well, number one thing I tell people before you buy anything, go to the zoning department yourself on their letterhead signed by them that you're whatever it is, $5,000 house or $50 million piece of property meets the current zoning laws and you have that on hand because if an attorney tells you that or a surveyor tells you that and they miss it, you can try to file a complaint against your title insurance, which I was going to do. And an attorney told me, said, yes, I'll file the complaint. Write me a check up front for $25,000. You got a 50-50 chance of winning. Yep. Yep. That's a great piece of advice for sure. With the local church, going back to that example, you paid them seventy five k, regardless of your levels of expertise, I know you had a contract with them. You wouldn't just give them $75,000 cash and say, hey, go make it happen. I trust you. Here's a handshake, right? So what happened? When you get into a bind and you're operating from I have to solve this problem, sometimes you have to do things that put you in a further bind. So I paid them $75,000 and I wanted to put 40000 of it into an escrow account to pay the contractor to take the building down. And they said, no, the only way we'll do this is you pay us the $75,000 and then we'll pay to have the building torn down. So here are my two options. Tear half of the complex down, the building that I own. So tear out six units and spend almost $200,000 to take the units down, convert the other ones, and add the parking spaces that are needed. Or I could pay $75,000 and take a chance that this church would actually do what they said they were going to do and tear their building down. Because once they tore their building down, I owned a tenth of an acre that their building sat on. So I bought enough land to cure my setback issue once their building was torn down. Right. But they didn't. They took the $75,000, and actually the pastor moved to Atlanta, Georgia, and took my money. Mm -hmm. And I sued him, and I got a $278,000 judgment against him for unfair trade and deceptive practices. I paid my attorney $28,000, and I You didn't get that money. (laughs) Never collected it. (laughs) Don't spend good money on chasing bad money, right? 
And what relit? No, I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. Okay. Um, you want to make half of America mad? You want to talk about politics? Yeah. <laughs> the other Matt half. All right. Due diligence. One piece of advice that you have is go to the zoning department yourself and get something on letterhead written from them that says the property meets the current zoning laws. What are some other things in due diligence that you do that perhaps others wouldn't? Some other things, rent rolls. The third complex I ever bought, I was under the impression that when you got a rent roll that was quote unquote certified, that that by law, real estate standards, that was the amount of money that's being collected. Oh. And actually, in all 50 continental United States, a rent roll is only a re-verification of what the terms of the lease says and does not mean that's actually what they're paying. Mm Mm-hmm. So you buy a complex from someone that says it's collecting $28,000 a month and you close on it and the next month you collect $7,000 and you go, what? We'll come to find out some of the tenants there hadn't paid in six months and the landlord had been telling them, look, don't say anything about this. I'm selling the complex. The new owner will deal with it. So committed fraud, but then it's a civil matter because it's a contract. So the only way that I have found to verify actual monies is bank statements. If they say they're collecting $10,000 a month at this complex and they won't give you their bank statements or they give you their bank statements and it doesn't say $10,000, you need to find out what's the discrepancy. Mm -hmm. Why are they not collecting that amount of money? Yep. Now, if you're doing bigger deals and you're dealing with major companies, you're probably not going to run into a lot of that because there's a lot more to it. But if you're buying a $500,000 apartment complex or a $2 million and it's already financially struggling and that owner just wants to get out of it, you never know kind of what they're going to say or do on that. Mm-hmm. So if someone won't give you their bank statements to verify how much they say on their income and expense and their rent roll, you really got to kind of figure in that a lot of that money they might not be collecting. One thing I've come across before on apartment communities is when you ask for those bank statements, the owner might say, well, I can't provide it to you because it's a bank account that has all my other stuff incorporated in it as well. And you just have to push through and say, oh, I need these. And don't worry, I'll have a professional accountant look over it. And if you want, maybe agree to them with having their accountant send over blacked out information from their other stuff, whatever it is, but get those bank statements. Yeah, man, I've had so much happen to me that, I mean, I've had a lot of good things happen to me, but you can go out and buy a rent receipt book from Staples for $10 and sit down and make up a 12-month <laughs> Yep. So if that's the verification that you're relying on, and I did, I found myself in a precarious bind because I bought a almost $3 million piece of property that instead of collecting 28000 a month, it was collecting 7000 What do you do? Let's go back in that situation and I'll hold my breath for you so that you're not stressing out too much over it. But if you could relive that, you thought it was bringing in twenty eight k, it's bringing in seven. Now, what do you do that helped remedy that? The initial thing is immediately we started filing evictions. We started moving as quick as possible to stabilize the property because there's no reason at that point to wait on anything. If a tenant's not paying, evict them, 
get rid of them so you can have the ability to renovate the unit and lease it back up. Of course, we got a lawyer involved, looked at the contract, looked at what they had done, went after them. But again, hindsight 2020, I don't think I've ever had a lawyer involved where I actually won. I mean, I won a lot, but I didn't actually win. Of course, we all lose when most of the time. Most of the time because I got money back out of the guy, but by the time what I had paid my attorney and the 12 months it took and the stress and the worrying and the back and forth, I'd just been better to have licked my wounds, learned from that mistake and dealt with it. Of course, I went to the bank and we had built in reserves. So by this time I had learned due diligence wise and planning always have at least in my book, six months of full operating cost and reserves in case you buy something and it's not going the way it's supposed to, or you find complexes and every unit have bed bugs in it. And no one during the walkthrough, during the due diligence period mentioned that they had bed bugs. Mm -hmm. I mean, treating 40 units at almost $800 a pop for bed bugs is expensive. 800 a pop? 800, there were three bedroom, two bath. Oh, man. 1,400 square foot units. Huh. It's $800. Wow. That's pricey. I've done the bed bug thing, and it was about $75 a treatment times three treatments, but are two bedroom apartments around 700 square feet. We tried smaller bombs, and these were so bad, Joe, they had to bring these big heater units in. Oh, we didn't get to that point. <laughs> I haven't, fortunately, I haven't seen those heaters. Well, if you get to that point where it's like they're embedded in the baseboards and again, I buy stuff that's really foundationally it's solid and that, but a case could be made just to bring in a bulldozer and just go ahead and level it. Mm. So you plan for that, right? In your due diligence period, you plan for the things that you can't see. You plan for the things, but there's a lot of things you can control, you know, checking the finances. Another one on the due diligence is always, you know, plumbing and electrical. I always check every plug. In every apartment complex I ever buy, myself or somebody that works for me buys one of those little $5 plug testers from Lowe's or Home Depot. Uh And we check the top and bottom plug on every wall. Okay. Why so detail-oriented with that? Well, because in the process of buying complexes, I would find that after we closed, there would be three or four units where on the left side or the right side of the complex, the plugs weren't working and the tenants had just ran extension cords from around the other side of the wall. And it's like when we did our due diligence and we came in and said, what was wrong with your unit? Why didn't you say, hey, my power doesn't work on this side of my unit? Oh, well, you know, and they come up with, you know, Sorry. different uses. So I started finding the only way, you know, we turn on every water spigot, we check underneath every sink for water leaks, we sit down on every toilet and rock back and forth to see if it's rotten underneath the toilet, because you can spend a couple hundred to a couple of thousand for a rotted out flooring if it's got mold and stuff in it. So it just came down to the point that really don't trust anybody else unless there's somebody that really works for you and you know, it would take us an extra couple of hours to test all of those, but you know, you can spend, what, 2500 to $4,000 rewiring a two-, three-bedroom apartment complex or house, whereas it could take you 10 minutes to walk around and check all the plugs. Mm-hmm. So the return on it 
time versus money paid off really well for us. Because what would happen then, I did this immense due diligence. So if I had a property under contract for a million dollars and I went back and I sat down and I said, okay, look, these 40 units, I found seven units where they're going to have to be completely rewired because half of it doesn't work. So I go the high end. I need a $4,000. I need $28,000 credit here. And I'd go back to the owner and say, this million dollars, I need a $100,000, $150,000, $200,000 credit. And here's why. And gave him specific units, the specific things that were done with a quote from my contractor to fix it. Every complex I've bought, I've gotten 10, 15, 20, 25% discount off the contract price because of the due diligence process we did. If you go to try and argue with someone and say, oh, I just don't think this complex is as great as we thought it was, and I want $100,000 credit off a million, that's kind of hard to get. But if you can go and show them that there's actually $100,000 worth of work to be done, then you can negotiate. What are some common things that you've negotiated where you know when you buy a distressed property, most likely you're going to be renegotiating XYZ? Roof is one of the big issues. You know, a lot of times they'll go in and put shingles up on the roof. Every time I buy a complex, I get my roofer to get on every roof, both sides, walk it front to back because the shingles can be brand new, but every decking board underneath it can be rotten. So you buy this complex and then six months later, you start getting dips in your roof because the shingles are good, but the under decking is not. That's probably one of the biggest areas we have negotiated price. Parking lots, that alligatoring where it starts to break apart, well, eventually that's going to have to be replaced. Plumbing and electrical can be some of your more expensive, just one-offs. Because rewiring one unit is not bad. Have you ran into aluminum wiring much in your area? I have not purchased the property with aluminum, but we've looked at them. I've done one, and I don't think I will ever do a complex again that has aluminum wiring. That says a lot coming from you who buys distressed properties. Yeah, well, the aluminum wiring, you pigtail, which is very expensive to put those little six-inch, eight-inch copper on. But insurance these days, I have found the ones I've looked at with aluminum insurance is two to three times higher on the insurance premiums versus copper wiring because of the fire risk, even with pigtails. Now, I'm looking at 35, 45-year-old properties. I would be really cautious at looking at aluminum wiring on properties. Make sure you get a quote from your insurance carrier that they know that it's aluminum wiring and make sure that you're covering yourself on that. Mm -hmm. The other biggest area in the due diligence process, talking to the managers and the maintenance folks. Most owners... If they don't want you to talk to their staff, why? Why are they always lingering around? I have found you can learn a lot of information by just casually talking to those folks. That's kind of the, when I get into what I'm doing, I look at, especially on the due diligence side, I make my money when I buy the property, not when I sell it. Because if I don't cover my due diligence right, especially if you're going in to flip a property, You can lose your shirt in a split second if you don't know what you're getting into. What's an example of a property that has gone wrong for you? You talked about the one with the church. 
but maybe one more example. At many of them. So I will go down here of HVAC systems. I am not an HVAC expert, but it seems like about every 10 to 12 years, Congress or EPA or someone's changing the Freon. Yep. And the current Freon is it oh, now slips my mind. What's the Freon that has been, they just changed it. It's like 40 now, L40 or something. Something like that. Yeah. I, I would, I'd, I'd be able to pick it from multiple choice tests, but I can't yeah, I can pick it out too. So in buying the latest complex I I've purchased in the due diligence, I call that some of the heat pumps were out inside and were going to need to be replaced or some of the compressors were out. So parts of the unit were out. Mm-hmm. In the past, that would have cost 100, 300, 500, 800 to fix. Come out, replace that little copper wire, put a new compressor in. But now it's getting really hard. The Freon per pound is where it used to be four, five, six, seven dollars a pound. Now it's 40, 80, 100 dollars a pound. Most compressors have five pounds. So all of a sudden, what used to be a $200, $300 repair can cost $1,200, $1,300. Well, eventually, it's going to come to the point you're not going to be able to repair those because you're not going to be able to get the Freon. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the older units and a lot of the older houses that I work with on people is to make sure what type of system is in that HVAC. A very specific for me in dealing with a due diligence kind of nightmare was water leaks in old bathrooms behind the wall. So it was grandma's tub. It's the one piece bathtub and shower insert. And there's no panel access behind the wall. There's no way to get to it. And water has just sat there for how many ever years and why it didn't show in the upper ceiling it's ran down the little wall and then it's ran across the floor and it's ran down. So I bought a 40 unit complex in Winston. It didn't have central heating and air. So we were going to put HVAC into it. We never got to install the HVAC because we found so much rotten flooring, mold and mildew and issues that we couldn't see. You couldn't fill it when you walked. The tub was secure. The faucet mounts were secure. That was like the fifth or sixth deal I did. So now in due diligence, when we're buying a complex, of course, all the ones I'm buying are 35 to 40 years old. I tell the owner, we've got to have a panel access to look into that faucet system in that shower to see, is it been leaking for quite some time or is it good? Mm-hmm. What if you don't have the panel access to look in to see it? If I don't have the panel access, I basically say to the owner, okay, look, I know this is going to cost me about $1,500 per unit, and you got 40 of them, so I'm going to need a $60,000 credit. But that's assuming that there is a problem. If he or she won't let me cut a few holes to see, okay. if there's 40 units, I want to check 20% of them. Mm-hmm. And I'll buy the little plastic inserts from Lowe's. They're $10. I want to cut a little... 20 by 20 inch hole and we'll put the panel in there, but I got to see if there's a problem there. Got it. And then if they won't let me look at that problem, then I'm going to assume that all 40 of them have the problem and I'm going to ask for that credit. Got it. You know what they let me do then? 
they let you put it in. They let you cut eight holes. Yeah. This is great stuff. I'm soaking up every example that you're talking about. And boy, am I grateful that you're on the show. What is your best real estate investing advice ever? The best real estate investing advice ever, and this is going to go against most, I don't think it necessarily goes against yours because I've read a lot of your stuff, but most people out there do real estate investing to make money, but don't do it just for the money. If a deal's not right, walk away from it. Don't force it. That little God-given internal stomach mind is like, you know, something's not right here. Something doesn't add up. This and this, and instead of going, oh man, I can make $500,000 on this deal, and I've done this, and you ignore all the red flags, you don't make $500,000. You're lucky if you don't lose $500,000. So my advice is do deals that make sense. All of them's going to have risk, right? There's going to be certain things that you're going to have to absorb, get your arms around and do it. But if there's just that feeling, I don't know really how to describe it, Joe, but it's kind of like, I'm sure you felt it before when you're doing a deal that that broker or that owner or something, I don't want to say that they're liars, but something doesn't add up. And if you can't get past that feeling, it's better to walk. And that also comes with more and more experience. The more experience you have and you're exposed to different situations, the more that feeling becomes more valuable for sure, right? Yeah. Develop a team. Even if they don't work for you, find two people who are in the same and and go sit down and talk the deal out with them. Lay out everything and find counsel from others even if they're not part of your group, and just say, hey, does this all add up to you? Look at this, and and let someone look over your work. And I did this for a while, too. Don't have this fear of like, oh, I can't show somebody this. They might not like it, or they might try to talk me out of it. If you can't justify to someone else why you should be doing this deal, don't do it. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? I'm ready. All right, let's do it. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. If you want to hire the guy who I hire to help me with my real estate investing business, then go to coachwithtrevor.com. That's coachwithtrevor.com. Landlords, if you're ready to eliminate eviction headaches and double your rental income in the next 30 days, then go to bnbfreedomformula.com forward slash best to learn if short-term rentals are right for you. That's bnb freedomformula.com forward slash best. All right. Best ever book you've read? The Bible. Best ever deal you've done that isn't your first and isn't your last one. I bought a 66 unit complex for a million 75 that they were asking two and a half million, put a million in it, sold it for 2.9 million in 14 months. Best ever way you like to give back? children's efforts, especially Christmas time, helping others in their time of need. And how can the best ever listeners get in touch with you and learn more about what you got going on? My website is Nathan, N-A-T-H-A-N, Tabor, T-A-B as in boy, O-R.com. Nathan, thank you again for being on the show. I mean, you talk through case study after case study of what to do and mostly what not to do, which is a great way to learn. And we're very fortunate to hear the lessons that you personally experience and that way we don't have to personally experience them. Hey, Joe, you know what my tagline is? What is it? Amazing successes, epic failures. There you go. 
Well, you listed a lot of surprising due diligence tips that we might not be doing, but we should be doing on an apartment building. One is go to the zoning department and get a signed note from them saying the property meets zoning laws. Two, make sure we're looking at the bank statements. Certified rent roll, yeah, but that doesn't actually show money going in bank account. So get those bank statements. Three is from a operation standpoint, make sure we have at least six months worth of operating costs in reserves. If we do happen to buy a property that has significantly lower economic occupancy than what we anticipated, then start filing evictions and moving as quickly as possible to stabilize the property. And another tip for due diligence looking at the water leaks in the old bathrooms behind the tub or behind the shower. And if you don't have an access panel, then put one in there and look at 20, 25% of the units. And if they don't allow you to, then ask for a credit. Uh, So thank you for being on the show. I hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate it. Landlords, if you're ready to eliminate eviction headaches and double your rental income in the next 30 days, then go to bnbfreedomformula.com forward slash best to learn if short-term rentals are right for you. That's bnbfreedomformula.com forward slash best.